else. Um, we're going to continue with our series this morning uh, in this I Believe series. And we're going to make the statement this morning that we believe in the Holy Spirit. This is what the Bible says in John chapter 16, verses 5. Jesus is doing some teaching and some talking and some instructing uh, to his followers and uh, to those who are standing around and to his disciples. Um, in chapter 14, he starts talking about uh, being the only way to the Father. And he, he, that great passage that many of you, uh, ha, you know and you've read and you've heard read. A, a lot of times John 14 gets read at funerals. Um, when I was in, living in Louisville, I attended two funerals back to back, unfortunately, of family members of people in my church. And uh, strange, the strangest thing I've ever encountered. John 14 was read at both of those funerals. And it went something like this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is Jesus talking. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Question mark. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. No we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? <laughs> and then in both of these funerals, both of the pastors reading this passage said then, if you had really known me, you would know my fa- who my father is. From now on, you do know me and have seen him. They skipped one little important part, both funerals. I couldn't believe it. When he says, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. There's enough room in my father's house and I go to prepare a place for you and guess what? I'm going to come back and get you and you're going to be with me forever. And when Thomas asked the question, well, how do we know? How do we know the way and how can we live with you forever, Lord? And, and why are you going away and why do you have to do this? Well, the linchpin of this whole entire passage is verse 6 where it says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life no man comes unto the Father except through me. That was skipped. I'll just say this, don't skip it. Because the place that's being prepared is there and, and he's coming back to get us and we can hold on to that truth and that promise because he's the way. And because he said it. And because uh, he was raised from the dead and he, he died for us. And so he has the authority and the power in Christ to, to say I'm the way, the only way. So don't skip that in our lives. In John 14, this is the teaching that he begins. He's kind of encouraging the people around him, uh, for sure. This is a promise, and this is a truth, and, and this, is, this is really good for them to know and to understand. He continues in his talking, and he promises, Bonnie read the passage to us in the middle of our worship, uh, about the promise of the Holy Spirit. He calls him the advocate and says, I'm going to go away, but I promise you that I'm going to send the advocate to you and he is going to help you. And when he comes, don't be surprised because I'm telling you now, this is what's going to happen. And then in chapter 15, he talks about being the true vine and that we are the branches and that the branches have to stay connected to the vine to, to gain nourishment and to grow and to be filled with what the branch gives. And the branch is Christ. And he said, you got to stay connected to me and I'll fill your hearts with love and you'll love other people and you'll love each other and you'll, you'll exhibit and you'll express my heart and my character if you'll stay connected to me. 
And he's building them up and he's building them up. And, and then he gets down into the last part of chapter 15 and he, it's an intense talk. And it's an intense teaching there. And he's really talking about what's going to happen after he goes away and what's going to happen to them. And he essentially says, hey, the world is not going to like this. In fact, the world is going to hate me. And they're going to hate my name. And because you carry my name and because you proclaim my name and because you'll preach my name and because you'll talk about the gospel, the good news of Christ, then you'll, you'll want that to intervene in people's lives and in their hearts and in communities and cities. And you'll do so at great peril from the government and from other people that don't believe that's true. Uh, they'll hate you too. And boy, does the world not hate Jesus. Man, he just gets such a bad rap. It's almost like you can mention any other name of a world religion leader and it's copacetic. It's okay. It's fine. It doesn't do anything. But man, you throw that Jesus in the mix, just kind of toss it out there into any, any conversation, any discussion, whether it's at work or, or in, in sometimes in our own homes. Jesus is, is, is a tinderbox and, and, and we, all you do is just light a match around it and it'll light up like a Christmas tree. And this was Jesus' promise to them. And the reason why he said, hey, I, I, I give you the Holy Spirit. I promise you this advocate that is going to come and live in your heart and help you live life and help you be strong and be encouraged and to know the promise that, that I love you and I'm with you and I'm coming back for you. I'm the way. I tell you this and I tell you to stay connected to me through the Holy Spirit because I'm uh, the, the true vine and you are the branches. And if you'll stay connected, you'll, you'll stay strong as well. The reason why he's teaching them all this and then warns them that, that the person of Christ, salvation, the gospel, will be offensive to the world. And that people won't receive it with happy hearts. They'll, they'll receive it oftentimes with, with malice and oftentimes with hatred. He told them all this because he had to go away. And he's preparing them not to fall away from their faith when things get hard. But the greatest thing that he does in John 14 and here in John 16 that we're going to read this morning is that he tells them as things get hard, as things get difficult, as things happen that you don't understand, as things happen that are confusing. He even tells them in this passage, you're going to get kicked out of the synagogues. They're going to run you out of church. You're not going to be welcome there anymore. You're not going to be welcome in the places that you were able to go. You're not going to be able to go and interact. You're probably going to lose some friends. You may lose some family. There's going to be some things that are happening. But as they happen, just know the helper's coming. The advocate is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. And so as these things begin to happen and these things take place, you will have the power and the strength to live for me and make an impact and a difference in the world even amid all this stuff that's going on around you. And so this brings him to chapter 16. And he says very explicitly, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, so that you won't let go of it. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, in verse five, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Nobody likes to have the we're going away talk with your friends, right? Right? Nobody likes to, to say goodbye. No one likes to talk about uh, leaving each other. It, it's a tough conversation, right? The, 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 the DTR, the define the relationship conversation is tough. You know, it's not you, it's me, you know? 
Nobody likes to talk about having to leave and having to move, and, and, and that's the toughest thing. Me and Bonnie were talking recently about what's the toughest thing about ministry. Uh, ministry is a beautiful path if God calls you to it. You have to be called, though. If you're not, don't go because, because it's difficult. But if you are, then go. Because it'll be glorious, it'll be beautiful in its own way because it'll be for the Lord. But what's difficult about ministry sometimes is, and living all these places is that God calls you to other places and you leave. And, and, and these friends and, and these people that you've done life with and that you've walked through difficult times with and that you've built history with and all that, you have to tell them goodbye. And it's tough sometimes. And uh, thanks for modern technology and the ways that we can now better keep up with people in our lives and, and uh, me and Bonnie were so blessed when we launched this church that there was about 12 people from Charlotte from years past that came here to support us in the, in the start of City Church. And so it's, it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not easy. It's, goodbyes stink. And Jesus is essentially preparing his disciples for the goodbye. And he says, I'm telling you all this stuff and you guys aren't even asking me where I'm going. I mean, isn't that the first question when somebody tells you they're leaving? They're moving? I'm not going to look over here in this area, the section over here, because I'm mad at y'all. But no, you, know, no, you don't want to talk about it because you, you want to keep going. And, and, but it, it happens. It's life. But the first question is, where are you going? Where are you guys moving to? Where, where is life taking you? Jesus says to the disciples that they didn't even ask that. And instead, you grieve. Instead, you're sad because of what I've told you. But he said, don't be sad because the idea that I have to leave is good for you. He said, in fact, it is the best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. In verse 12, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. See, if you just read that, that verse on its face and you hadn't read it in context, you don't know what he's taught them up until that point, you don't know why they can't bear it. But they've already heard a lot of intense, deep stuff about what's going to happen. Not only that Jesus is going away, which is hard enough, it's hard enough, but that they, they're going to suffer a little bit, that this is not going to be easy. And they're going to need to stay connected. So they've had this intense conversation. And Jesus is like, I'm going to stop right here because I don't think you can bear anymore. We got to, we got to end the conversation. But he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll pick up where we left off. He will guide you into all truth. And this is beautiful. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is Jesus saying this. This is why I said, the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. I love this because he said, this is why I said, all that belongs to the Father is mine. The Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Spirit is one with the Father and the Son. That's incredible news, right? It's good news for them. He says, you can't bury any more of this tough talk that I'm telling you about what's going to happen. I'm just telling you when the Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. And the Spirit is one with me and with the Father. Because everything I have 
Jesus said, everything the Father has is mine, and then I, whatever the Spirit receives, he receives from me. So that means the Spirit of God is encapsulated in the Holy Spirit, which is present in the world and in the life of those who believe. So that's why we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I don't just say that, that we believe in him from an information standpoint, but that we know because of the scriptural witness and what Jesus said, that the Spirit of God himself lives inside of the believer through faith. And that's why Jesus, in his teaching to them and to us, says you can do it. When it gets hard, when people get upset about the name of Jesus, when it's difficult to live for him, when you don't think you can do it anymore, when, when things get a little too confusing and a little too challenging, when we struggle even to relate to each other, the Spirit of God, who is one with the Father and the Son, is present in you and in the world. It's important for us to know this. The Holy Spirit is one with the Father and Son. They make up the Trinity. When you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in God the Father, we're saying that we believe that God is three in one, and that there is no tension among their persons and their activities. So, so they exist in perfect harmony for all of eternity have, and all of eternity will. And so there's no tension in, in truth. There's no tension in guidance. There is no tension in justice. There is no tension in his holiness. There is no tension in his wisdom. There is no tension in his clarity. There is no tension in his salvation. There is no tension in his rescue and in his redemption and in the way in which he helps us live. They are one all that the Father has is mine, Jesus said, and all that the Spirit will receive will come from me. And as he receives it from me, you, this is what he's saying the good news was, you will receive this and there will be no tension in your understanding of who God is and what he wants you to do. The Holy Spirit should not be thought of as inferior to the Father and Son. I think that we do this unfortunately, by proxy. We, 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 we hear so much about God. There's so much teaching from the Old Testament and, and even in the New Testament about, about God, about Yahweh and, and about Elohim. And, and, we, and we, 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 we banner that and we should. And, and, and then, obviously, everybody knows about Jesus, sweet, little, golden Jesus, baby Jesus. Everybody knows the name of Jesus or thinks they do, or especially in American culture, it's difficult to find someone who hadn't heard the name. They might not know who the Jesus of the Bible is, but they've heard the name Jesus or Jesus Christ. And so everybody uh, kind of affiliates God with Jesus, whether they understand that they are one or not. But then this whole Holy Spirit thing gets left out of the mix, the, the to the point to where one commentator called him the forgotten God. That, that it's, it's one that we just discard so easily and forget that he is one with the Father and the Son and that everything the Father has, he is given to Christ and Christ gives to the Holy Spirit and they are in harmony with no tension. And so that the power that lives in us and is present in the world is one with God and with Christ. And there, there is no inferiority in the Spirit's power and in his authority then the Father and the Son. My, my, my friend who's a pastor said he was trying to explain it. And explaining the Trinity is difficult. We need God's help with it. Because it's hard to understand 
three in one and what does that look like and what does that mean? And, and there's a faith element there and there's a way in which God himself shows us truth and leads us into the truth of understanding that. But he said he was trying to teach his kids, which that's a challenge. I was trying to do it with Olivia one time recently. That's, you know, no matter how many degrees you have in seminary or whatever, that'll leave you kind of scratching your head and babbling. Um, but my buddy told me one time he was trying to teach his kids the, the idea of the Trinity. And, and he asked, like, well, who is the father? And his daughter said, well, the tall one. <laughs> no, but okay. You know, but, but because we, we see that in parts, the way in which we see it in this realm. So the dad is the, the tall one, the son is the shorter one, right? Who looks like the dad kind of, but... <laughs> But that's not, what, what about the Holy Spirit? Is he, is he the daughter or the, what, what? Is he the pet? Um, it's, it's hard kind of to, to kind of put that into, into play there as we develop in our thinking. But God, that's what God helps us. But we should never think of the Holy Spirit from the teachings of the scripture and from Jesus' own mouth. He wouldn't have said, hey, I bring you the advocate and that word there meaning a representative of us from God if there was an inferiority that that power in the spirit contained. There is none. And it should not be thought of that way. We should think of it as one with God. So when the Bible addresses the idea of the Holy Spirit and the activity of the Holy Spirit both in our lives and in the world, we should see that in one accord with God himself and with Christ. Sound good? Okay. The Holy Spirit is a person, not a vague or magic force. Sometimes we hear ourselves talking about the Holy Spirit and, and we become, without realizing it, pantheists, which is the belief that God is in the wind and in the water and in the waves and he inhabits these things and, 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 and we become Eastern mystics without realizing it. And, and, we, and we teach this to each other and we, and we teach it to the world and we realize that, that that is not how the Holy Spirit operates and functions. That he is supreme as God is supreme and as Christ is supreme over all creation. So he is above that. He is the person of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity, in the triune Godhead that is together and is cohesive and is one. And so we, as we speak of the Holy Spirit, we're not, I mean, and I know in some translations, this is where Olivia got tripped up. In her little Bible that we bought her, they call him the Holy Ghost. You see how difficult that is for a kid? It's a ghost, daddy. Oh, wait a minute. It's not like the same ghost that, you know, you're, you're trying to, right? So, so the natural, especially human symbol or understanding of it is to be this vague force that is unseen and moves about and lives in my closet. And there's some kind of magic there when he is uh, summoned from the closet or out from under the bed or into a situation. But the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit, being one with God and no tension in his activity with the Father and Son, lives in the believer and is present in the world. So that is not a vague understanding of some magic force that may just somehow float on the wind. But this is a real person, the person of God in the Holy Spirit. 
that lives in us. And we should see him that way, understand him that way, know him that way. And when we're tempted to think of him as some vague mystical force, and and, and it is mystical in a sense that we don't readily understand. But that's as far as it goes in that way. The Bible instructs us how to understand who the Holy Spirit is. It doesn't leave us wondering. Jesus spent all this time teaching his own disciples, then from the scriptures teaches us who he is. So when we're tempted to think that it's a vague force or some magic that we summon, when we need it or when it, that we think it'll help, or when we want it to be present in something that we're doing, remember that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is one with the Father and the Son, and is explicitly in the heart and life of the believer at salvation. The Bible calls that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit as he fills us as we go along. And so this is the evidence of God in our lives and the power of God in our lives, not something that we hope will land on us in some moment that we feel is necessary or important. Be careful with that. I think that's the the biggest mistake that we make sometimes, is believing that this is not real and it's not tangible and it is not something that God has done in his unique way. We have to think of the Holy Spirit as unique. Oftentimes we hear teaching about the Holy Spirit in a metaphysical way, that God birthed Jesus and, and and then Jesus in some way kind of births the Holy Spirit and that is a mistake. It cannot be seen as metaphysical the way in which we understand birth and childbirth and and all of that. This is a unique thing that God in his power does and did. And so it must be seen in that way as well. But it, it, it is tangible and it is an understanding that he is a person. Person in the triune Godhead. And in harmony with the Father and the Son, Jesus Everything the Father has, he's given to me, and I will, I will give to the Spirit. And he says, you will receive what I give him. That's what's really amazing. The Holy Spirit, we've already said, is God's presence in the world and in the life of the believer. I hope you'll go out of here today knowing that that is the greatest truth and the greatest receptivity of truth that you can have as you leave today. That, that the Holy Spirit of God, that it is his presence not only in the world, but in the life of those who believe. And because that's true, the triune God comes close. See, the, the, the natural tendency is to believe God in our basic understanding of him, that he is aloof and that he is far off and that he cannot be touched, and he, we cannot know him in an intimate way, and we cannot understand his ways and who he is. Oftentimes we see him as this cosmic judge and, and this one who, who may uh, punish us when we do bad and reward us when we do good. And, and this is an unfortunate thing because in the power of the Holy Spirit and in his presence in the life of the believer, as he is one with God, this is the triune God coming close. So close that to actually enter into each believer. That's pretty close, don't you think? So, so you've heard the word transcendent. I'll explain it. It means that it is supreme and overall, and there is none like him and none equal to God. 
But God, as he is transcendent, is also another word called imminent, which means he is near to us. And he is close to us. And there is no greater evidence of his closeness and his nearness than the Holy Spirit living in the life of the believer. It's a beautiful thing. Right? Right? The truth of this is overwhelming. Look at what the Bible says he is. I want you to read this list because it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God, if it's been two weeks or two years or 25 years or you think you know everything about the Bible and even as I speak right now, you are critiquing my words. I would like for us to focus on this particular thing because this is what the Bible says the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer. If you don't believe me, I'll just read passages of Scripture that point to this. John 14, it's already been read, but I'll read it again. And I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Not only is he an advocate who, who intercedes on your behalf, but he's an advocate who never leaves. How about that? A lot of advocates out there, a lot of friends, a lot of good time buddies. Where'd they go? Okay. The advocate who never leaves you. He is the Holy Spirit. He leads you into all truth. And the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That's pretty close. John 15, 26, but I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. He will, he will tell you about me. He will reveal this to you. Luke eleven thirteen. 13, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, and we do, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he, the Spirit, the Spirit, God gives us good gifts. He is a giver. Romans 5, 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope in Christ and this hope in the Holy Spirit. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because if you don't know how much he's lo he loves you, all you have to do is look at the Holy Spirit. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. But not just love, his love. 2 Corinthians 1, and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees Everything he has promised us. There's a guarantee. <laughs> it's like, it's Geico. Everything he has promised. The first installment of his promise that he has given to us in the Holy Spirit. Are you starting to get encouraged? Are you starting to get excited? Is this less exciting than what happens today next? But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolishness to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. So God, in the form of his Holy Spirit and his presence in our life, allows us to understand what God is telling us about himself and about us and about what he wants us to do and be. And we can know what he means by that. It's not a mystery and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is what's so amazing. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words, says Romans 8, 26. Just want you to continue to take in that one particular slide. 
And I just want to say this to you. The, the Holy Spirit is our advocate when we can't defend or fight for ourselves. He helps us in our desperate time of need and in the routine moments of our lives. He helps us in when we don't feel like facing another day, when we've lost the will to fight, when we can't find solutions in and of ourselves, and when we are in transition. He counsels us when we're hurting and confused and unsure of where to go next. He counsels us as we deal with past hurts and current struggles and addictions that are unrelenting and things that we are forced to make sense of and find peace with. He teaches us what is right and wrong and instructs us on how to do the right thing, the thing that pleases and honors God in every situation. He teaches us his word and to know the deep things of God's heart and character so that we can grow in our relationship with him and know him more. He intercedes and intervenes on our behalf even when no one else can or will. He, he prays for us and empowers us to pray. He protects us from the enemy, from those who will harm and abuse us. He protects us from ourselves. He protects us from bad decisions and missteps and miscalculations and from choices that will negatively alter the course of our lives. He protects our minds and our hearts from being damaged by sin and hate and lust and a myriad of evil thoughts that can destroy us. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He, he comforts like nothing else can or, or will. He is better than a soft touch. He's better than a kind word. He, he's better than junk food and coffee and a good movie and ice cream and a warm blanket. I know that's debatable about ice cream. But trust me, he's better. The Bible says that his fruit is love and joy and peace, which means the comfort he provides can rise above and transcend any event, circumstance, emotion, or psychological distress that this world has to offer. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. This is what he is. This is what he does. This is why Jesus, in leading up to his teaching about what was to come, said, I will send him to you. He will be in harmony and one with God and with me, and he will be in your life. The transcendent God will come near. He came near in the person of Christ. Emmanuel, God, was with us. And then he says he will come near to live in your heart in the form of the Holy Spirit and the power from the Father and from the Son will be evident in your life and he will advocate for you and he will help you and he will counsel you and he will teach you and he will come to bat for you and he will reveal things to you that you need to know. He will witness for you. He will protect you and in the end, he will comfort you. God, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit.